Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast from the First Christian Church in Great Bend, Kansas. We are a church with a mission of inspiring ordinary people to live extraordinary lives for Christ. It really doesn't matter who you are, what you have done, or how you choose to worship. You belong here. We pray that this week's sermon blesses you and that you feel God's presence through it today. So today we are starting a short yet um, what I believe to be a very important series called Why? And what we're going to be doing for the next two weeks is we are going to be revisiting that question that we all wrestle with when things go horribly wrong in life, which is why do, why do bad things happen? Now, the reason we're coming back to this uh, topic at this point is because, first of all, it's actually been a couple of years since we've had the opportunity to do this. So for me, it's about time. But most importantly, it's because... Uh, we've had some things happen to people in this congregation, and we've had some things happen in, in the world at large that has caused, of a, caused most of us to, to ask this question again. Or how many of you ha- have wrestled with this question in your life at any point? Anybody? So in response to all of that, I felt God was calling me to, to revisit this question to help those who are struggling right now, while at the same time reminding and equipping the rest of us for the next time this question pops up in your life. Because whether you like it or not, whether you're comfortable with it or not, you're going to deal with this question again, and you need to kind of be prepared for when that comes. But before I jump into all of this and kind of give you my explanation to the the problem of theodicy, which, by the way, is the scholarly way to talk about this, so please feel free to use that term to impress your friends, theodicy. Everybody say theodicy. Say, yeah, we're talking theodicy today. It's going to be awesome kind of deal. So I encourage you to use that with your friends uh, to impress them. I also need to be honest with you guys. Uh, when it comes right, to, right down to it, I really don't know the answer to this question with any kind of certainty. It's not because I haven't done the research. It's not because I haven't studied the Bible with a fine-tooth comb in search of it. No, from my perspective... I don't think anybody knows the complexity and the nuance of this question except for God. Because for me, it really is that big a question. I think it's something that, or the reason why we do this is because we all haven't nailed this thing down. And I think that's a part of what's going on here. So what that means for you guys today is that I invite you to listen and hear what I have to say. While at the same time wrestling with this question for yourself. Or take what I share and use that as your starting point to begin to make sense of this problem in a way that works for you. And then to add to that, if, if any of you really are struggling with this question at this point, it's something that's keeping you up at night. Besides listening carefully to this series, I would encourage you to, to go out and read Adam Hamilton's book, Why? Or Philip Yancey's book, Where is God When It Hurts? Because for me, both of these books offer an easy-to-read introduction to a very, very hard question. Okay, so now that we've set that foundation, let me try to answer this question in the easiest way I know. So the first thing I believe is that God created us, or God created all human beings to be in charge of the earth. And the place where I get that assumption is in the first creation story, where after God created all the human beings in his image and likeness, God does this. It says in Genesis 128, 
God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. And what God is doing here is he's not only telling humans to go out and make even more humans, which is awesome, but more importantly, God is giving us dominion over all of creation. And what dominion is here is God is not just saying, just go out and do whatever you want. No, dominion is all about God calling us to be his managers or to be the overseers of his good world. Or one of the ways to think about it, there's a whole lot of businesses you have an owner who hires a manager. And what the manager is responsible for is running the business on a day-to-day basis. So in a sense, the success and failure is not necessarily on the owner, but it's on the ability of the manager to manage well. Well, I think that's what God has done for us in giving us dominion. He has given us dominion. He has made us the managers of his good world. Next, I believe God didn't create us to be a bunch of robots. No, I believe that God gave us free will, or he gave us the ability in any given situation to make a choice. And the reason I believe God created us with this free will is because in a world where there is no choice, if you think about it at all, true love can exist. So in the beginning, as God went about putting together the best possible world, God created human beings with free will, even though it came with a significant risk. Because an imperfect world with love is better than a perfect world where there is no love. Do you guys hear that? An imperfect world with love is better than a perfect world where there is no love. Or think about how marriages are so much better because we get to choose instead of being told, right? That opens up the ability for us to love and choose and accept God. Now, the place where free will is made clear in the Bible is, again, it's at the very beginning in the Adam and Eve story. Where humans, instead of choosing to say no to that forbidden fruit or not listen to what God is calling them to do, they chose to take matters into their own hand and they ate that fruit. But for me, that's not just a story that happened. This is a story that happens. And that every single day, just like Adam and Eve, we are all given the choice over and over again to either follow God or to choose our own path then the last thing I believe is that we as human beings have a predisposition to wander from God's path. And that's a really nice way of saying um, we are really, really good at sinning. And to give you kind of a big picture uh, view of how sin works, one of the Hebrew words that gets translated as sin is hatach. Everybody say hatach. You got to do the at the end or it doesn't work. Hatach. So, Metaphorically speaking, what hatak means is to wander from the path. In that when you're traveling, you're supposed to stay on the path to get from point A to point B. So hatak means you go off-roading. It means you begin to wander. In similar fashion, in the New Testament, the Greek word for sin is harmatia. And this is an archery term that is used for missing the mark. In that if you're aiming at a target and you miss the mark, then you have committed harmatia. And what both of these definitions of sin have in common is they give us a kind of big picture metaphorical view of sin being a deviation from the way things are supposed to be. Or to make this practical, when you think about it, God has given us rules and regulations to follow, not because he's this overwhelming dictator, but because it's what's best for us. And you guys know the rules, right? Don't murder, don't lie, don't cheat, don't steal, 
all those kind of things. Love your neighbor as yourself. Or in a sense, God has given us this, this direction, a target to shoot for because he wants what's best for us, but we in our own free will, we choose not to listen to God. And that's what it means to sin. Or to make this personal. Just think back to that one time when you chose to do that one thing you know you shouldn't have done. Anybody done this before? And then what happened to you because you made that choice, because you began to wander? And then not only that, not only how it affected you, but think about how it affected everyone else. Well, take that and then multiply that by every single person on the planet and you begin to get a great picture of how sin affects our world, how it causes bad things to happen. So what happens when you bring all three of those things together and that God has left us in charge, he's given us the ability to choose, and that we're all really, really good at sinning, what comes into focus very, very quickly is why most bad things happen. Or to make this concrete, what happens in the case of people being hurt by a drunk driver is a person who had too much to drink choosing to get behind the wheel of a car. In the case of cheating spouses, you'll usually find two people making the choice to go against what they know is right by giving into the pleasure of adultery. In the world of politics, what you will find there as well are human beings with free will making choices based on what's best for them and not for the country or for God's kingdom for that matter. And the result is the mess that we find ourselves in as Americans. Or again, it seems to me that when you take into consideration that, that God put us in charge, we have free will, and we are prone to sin, you get a very basic yet very thorough understanding of why most bad things happen. So do you guys see that? Does that make sense to you? When you begin to put all of that together. Now, this question is way bigger than that. We haven't tapped into all of it, but this is the place that you got to start. This is where you begin to see how it all begins to fit together. Okay. So now that you're starting to see that, let me show you what this reveals to us about our God and our relationship with God. So if you stick to the logic that I've laid out before you guys this morning, what that logic reveals very, very clearly to all of us is that God does not cause or even want bad things to happen. Okay, you guys got, it? got that? This is very, very important. God does not cause or even want bad things to happen. No, bad things happen as a result of selfish, sinful human beings making bad, even downright horrible choices that affect other people in horrible and life-transforming ways. Or to go back to our examples, it was not God's plan, it was not part of God's purpose for that person to drive drunk and then end up hurting someone in an accident. It was not God's will for those people to choose to step out of their marriages and cause a whole lot of pain and suffering for everyone involved. And it's not God's will that our politicians make a lot of the decisions that they make. Now, the reason why those and a whole lot of other bad things happen is because people just like you and I chose to wander off the path, chose to sin. Which for you and I also means that Unless you have done something to bring it on yourself by choosing to wander off the path, because there are consequences for us, and you guys have all experienced that. The bad things that have happened to you are not things that God caused to happen. 
They're not things that God has in his plans or even wanted for you. No, the reason why these bad things happen for the most part is because in the good world that God created that's supposed to be full of life and love and everything good, human beings in their free will, dominion, and sin chose to wander from the path they chose to sin. And in my humble opinion, and and I could have this wrong, I believe that's why most bad things happen in the world today. Now, again, is it bigger than that? Have we tapped into every part of this question? No. But I think that's the foundation you have to start with if you're wrestling with this very important and life-transforming question. Okay. So now that you got all of that floating around in your brains, but before we make our way back and stuff our faces with turkey, um, to take you deeper into this question, I want to offer you another question that is just as important which is a question that also needs to be considered when when trying to deal with the question why. And that question is this. Why do good things happen? Why do good things happen? Why is your life, for the most part, so good? Now, the reason why I offer this question to you is because oftentimes when we face difficulty in life, it's really, really easy to ask the question, Why do bad things happen? But for some reason, in most of our life, when things are going well, we never seem to take the time to ask the question, well, why is my life so good? And the reason why I think it's so important to to balance the question, why do bad things happen with why do good things happen, is because if we just focus on the negative, and that's what we're really, really good at doing, that makes it much easier for us to write God off. Or to say that there is no God. And we do that without taking every side into consideration. Because even though it is the case that there's no doubt that bad things happen all the time. You guys have all experienced. It's a part of being human. It's also the case for the most part. That there is way more beauty and good in our lives and in the world than there is evil and suffering. And you have to answer that question as well. Do you see that? Or take a moment and listen to the babies making all the noise in this place. And you'll understand just how incredible our lives really are. Now, to to make this practical, what I want you guys to do is I, I want you to think of something bad that has happened to you that has caused you to question if God exists or not. And... Don't be ashamed of this. This is something we all wrestle with. This is one of those deep and abiding questions everybody wrestles with. So don't be ashamed of that. So get that in mind. Think about that thing. Now what I want you to do is I want you to think about something that is really, really good that's happened to you. I want you to take a moment and think about just how good your life really is. Or how we are about to all line up and go back and stuff our faces with turkey. That's how good our lives are. Well, what that does is that puts us in a place, it begins to help us think of this question in what I think to be a more holistic way. We have to deal with both sides of the equation when wrestling with this very deep and complex question. So, in light of all that I've laid out before you this morning, What I want to do 
is I want to leave you not just with one question. That's the easy question we all wrestle with. Why do bad things happen? I also want to leave you with the other side of that equation. Why do good things happen? Because for me, if you want to get to the reality of who God is, if you want to get to the reality of of what this world is all about, then you've got to answer both sides. It's got to fit together. It makes it a much bigger, much more beautiful question to wrestle with. But for more, you're going to have to come back next week, right? Let us pray. Father, we come before you this morning, and this is the question we all wrestle with. This is that question that that we want to have all nailed down. This is the thing that we wonder when everything has fallen apart, the worst case scenario has happened. And so today, O Lord, it is my hope that you use me to give people a starting place, a better way to think about um, just how good and beautiful this world really is and that free will is this great thing that you have given us, but with free will comes risk. So Lord, help us to begin to wrestle with and make sense of that. But most importantly in all of this, oh God, as we wrestle with, you know, why do bad things happen? Help us also to consider why good things happen or why our lives really are blessed beyond measure in so many ways. Lord, we ask this all in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon, and we hope you are able to join us next week. To learn more about FCC Great Bend, visit us online at firstchristianchurchgb.com. Again, that's firstchristianchurchgb.com. God bless and have a great week.